So as always, thank you for joining me. Enjoy the podcast. Kick back and relax. The force is strong and is with us always. And never forget. We have hope. Rebellions are built on hope. of this moment the force is strong make ten men feel like a hundred I'll take the next chance and the next you're rebels aren't you You call it the Jesse James. Jesse, a.k.a. The Bizzle. Yo, The Bizzle, thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle? Thank you, The Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. All right, Bizzlecast listeners, welcome back to the podcast. I have back Jason Ritter, uh, who is a major fan and contributor to the Bizzlecast site online. We've become buddies via Messenger. I had him on for a great podcast about Marvel and DC a week or two ago, and he's back now, and we're a little bit more focused, although it's an extremely long podcast. I'll get to in a second the short intro, and then I'll get you in, uh, which is that we're specifically talking about the six... Well, five to six confirmed DC films on the big screen over the next couple of years. I think in this order, uh, Birds of Prey, Wonder Woman, 1984, baby, um, Suicide Squad, Batman, supposedly The Flash, which just still has a year and not a date, and then, of course, Aquaman 2. No, I didn't see Aquaman 1. I know a lot of people enjoyed it, or at least it did generally well overall, and people weren't, you know, pissed and annoyed, as some were uh, BVS and or Suicide Squad. Now, podcasts, as I hinted, went very long because we had a lot to cover, and in the first part, we talk about uh, a lot about Margot Robbie and her involvement in the rejuvenation of a franchise like Suicide Squad that not only seemed dead, but seemed to represent one of the many dead and failed elements of the quote-unquote DCEU, DC Film Universe, whatever you want to call it, Worlds of DC, has actually was enjoyed more than uh, people give credit for at the time, and continues to gain a popularity on more than just a call level over time, to the point where they got James Gunn, who they, you know, they stole from Disney. Now Disney has wooed Gunn back because they realized they fired him for stupid reasons. And all their actors and employees were, like, uprising that they fired James Gunn that everybody loves. They fired for stupid reason. That's a different podcast. He will be coming back for Guardians 3, which I guess I'm excited about. Um, but in a very weird way, even especially having not seen... Uh, uh, um, uh, excuse me, Suicide Squad 1, I'm very fascinated that this was the the bizarre, you know, kind of overperforming th- franchise that got bad reviews, but following Batman v Superman, actually people liked because while it was dark and weird and violent, it was dark and weird and violent, which we're not getting in Marvel. We got in the Netflix series and the best Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Daredevil, Defender stuff. They're done. Now everything's PG-13 or lower with Disney and Marvel. Star Wars always gets away with dark, which is why I love Star Wars, especially when it comes to Disney. 
the most by far. It's my true love. Um, but as started to happen to me uh, between the period of getting into Batgirl, loving Wonder Woman, and just like loving the notion of the Batverse, I've, you know, on and off become more and more um, interested in certain parts of DC. And now I didn't see Aquaman, and I didn't see Shazam, which I'm definitely going to see, guys. I don't know about Aquaman, but Shazam I'm for sure going to see. I know I love that. I just didn't get a chance. I also didn't see Spider-Man Far From Home or Dark Phoenix, which I know is terrible, but I'm an X-Men guy, so it's inevitable, as Smith would say, that I will watch the Dark Phoenix. So I haven't really seen a lot of comic book movies, but I follow, obviously, this stuff closely. You know I love the box office. You know I love casting, and yes, there will be plenty of Haley Atwell talk. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, Haley Atwell's the best. Plenty of Haley Steinfeld talk, as usual, especially because we're talking about both the Batgirl Birds of Prey property, which people aka I have been associating her with for two years, right when it looks like she's going to sign a long-term TV and then film deal with Marvel playing uh, Hawkeye's successor Kate Bishop, um, uh, which, um, you know, in some ways, I still would prefer her to play Batgirl because she is kind of Batgirl and has that complexity, hilarity, you know, and so forth. Um, for her career at her age, with everything she's got going on with her pop career and her indie movies and her modeling, playing Kate Bishop is so much safer. They'll work her on her schedule. They'll pay her a ton of money. She's going to get to work with Tessa Thompson, Elizabeth Olsen, uh, Carol Danvers, played by Brie Larson. We're, uh, we're getting Kamala Khan. We're getting She-Hulk. This is the golden age for the young, badass, but very complicated. Maybe not as complicated as Jessica Jones, who's still my fave and the best thing Marvel's done. But very interesting and complicated young Marvel characters who are either from the recent decades or have been written particularly strongly in revamped and reinvented ways. In different decades. Much safer for Heli Steinfeld. Okay. Sorry. Getting off topic here. So I decided to cut this podcast into two. So I'm actually releasing the second part first. Um, the first part is uh, is kind of a, a extensive discussion about just the state of DC in general. What I was also going to say is that I've been on the verge of getting DC Universe for both comics and Teen Titans, you know, Young Justice, Doom Patrol, all these shows that Alistair and Jason and others have been raving about. I actually get my uh, trial subscription during the show. That's how amped I get. So between their darker vision, they're going with in this Batverse. Suicide Squad is very interesting, but ultimately, Batman is Jason's true love. I love Batman. I love the Dark Knight, and as you might have heard, but you will definitely hear now, we not only love it sort of instinctively, on an instinctual level, the Robert Pattinson casting, but if you look at his personality, physique, and trajectory of his career is all very reminiscent and in line with Bruce Wayne in a way that neither Ben Affleck nor Christian Bale really were. I mean, he already feels like Bruce Wayne. You'll hear us discuss why. And so I'm releasing the Batman part first because it's Jason's true love. Let's be honest, like Star Wars, the other major, the most American thing other than Star Wars is Batman. They're both, you know, I mean, it doesn't get apple pie, Batman, and Star Wars, but as American, Americana as it gets, in addition to us nerds. So in this one, we go right into Batman, we break it down, and then we go into the Birds of Prey, and you will hear me absolutely lose it that not only are they not using Barbara Gordon, the by far iconic and best Batgirl and one of the most important characters in all of DC, they're not using their best and most important Batgirl 
on the unveiling of the very bizarre-looking Margot Robbie run, Birds of Prey, which I've heard for literally a year is already a dumpster fire. And based on the trailer, and as you'll hear, the casting, especially of Cassie Kane, not Batgirl, not an insult to that actress, but you'll hear why I'm very, very, very angry and upset as a giant Babs fan. And yes, I've been fan-casting Haley Steinfeld for years, but that's not the point. There was a million characters, Haley Lulu Richardson, Jane Levy, Emma Stone, I mean, you know, Chloe Bennett. I mean, me and Brickle came up with dozens of great candidates to play Babs. And in Bird to Prey, which is her team, they're using Cassie Kane, a much less relevant, known, and important, back, and interesting Batgirl, and casting a total unknown who's way younger and has zero credentials compared to her relatively credentialed um, and actually impressive co-stars who play Helena Bertinelli and Dina Lance as the Black Canary. And you'll hear why I'm upset. I'm already getting upset here. So I'm going to release this. I believe this is Bizzlecast um, 254. And then as 255, I will release... Um, the first part of the discussion, which is, you know, breaking down DC and, and also a long discussion about Margot Robbie and just Suicide Squad in general, you know, the upsides, the downsides, what's working for it, what's working against it. And, you know, brief talks about Aquaman and certainly Wonder Woman. We actually jump over Wonder Woman in the second part very quickly because we both agree that the only way the movie fails is if Warner Brothers slash DC Films, you know, fails on Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot in marketing and or cutting production budgets and or forcing them to make cuts that they don't want or add scenes they don't want. You know, the stuff Marvel used to do with Joss Whedon and so forth that drove him crazy and made him leave Marvel. If they are meddling with Patty's creative vision and Gal's, you know, otherworldly charisma and talent, that will be a major breakdown by them. Now, as you'll also hear, and I'll lead you into the Batman side of uh, and Birds of Prey and also the Joker we talk about. Um, and you get great um, Batman recommendations. And it just happens that the dark but really cool Jeff Loeb... Uh, volumes of Batman from the 90s and more recently that Jason recommends are heavily informing Matt Reeves, the writer-director of uh, the new Batman movie with Robert Pattinson, and so he is all sorts of excited, and I was already pumped by the idea of this non-traditional casting and a more indie, uh, I guess it's Planet of the Apes. He's not indie, but he's definitely a very artsy and deep-thinking director and writer, is Matt Reeves. So I was already pumped, uh, but hearing Jason, who's, you know, normally very reserved, you know, and very rational, you can tell he's amped and it gets me amped, which only makes me angrier about Margot Robbie or whoever's deciding that Cassie Kane should be the first Batgirl. The only thing I can think of is that they're giving her a, either a major movie franchise that's separate from this or a major television show on the DC Universe, which everyone's been raving about. And as I cut this together and upload it for y'all, and I hope you enjoy it, I'm going to start watching t- fucking Titans on the DC Universe network. I give in, DC. I give in. I need the alternative vision. Marvel is feeling too marvel as usual. I need a different vision, and I don't have the Netflix anymore. I've already seen all the series I liked. I'm not going to rewatch anytime soon with the Defenders. JJ was very disappointed pointing after season one, even though it remains my favorite season ever. Season one of Jessica Jones is my, still my favorite superhero, both in character and principle. Um, I'm very upset about Babs, but I'm very upbeat about 
Batman, which maybe you would expect, because you guys know I love the Dark Knight, and, you know, DC sometimes makes the casting decisions when it's not Ben Affleck. Get out of here, deadbeat. <laughs> the bumps have lost, Lebowski. <laughs> the bumps will always lose. Um, uh, contrasted with my d- disdain and and pissantness uh, about uh, Cassie Kane instead of Babs and the casting, um, and in the middle of Suicide Squad. But you'll have to wait for Suicide Squad and the wider talk about where DC Films is at for the second part. So for this first part, we got Batman, Birds of Prey, and the Joker. Hope you enjoy it. Um, we had a blast doing it. He's definitely coming back. And as I teased earlier, some of the... Uh, um, uh, I sort of teased earlier, uh, the, 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 the Jeff Loeb and other Jim Lee, um, you know, Batman comics from the 90s and 2000s that he particularly likes and thinks is informing the upcoming Batman movie and maybe, hopefully, series of movies. Look, Pattinson's done five Twilight movies. I don't care what you say. That takes stamina no matter what. Maybe more stamina than good movies to get through all that nonsense. We know his him and Kristen Stewart didn't like it. We talk about that as well. Uh, but we're high on, on Pattinson. Uh, I am l- very low at the moment on Birds of Prey, specifically because of the Batgirl situation. And uh, you know what, DC? I will be thrilled the moment that Haley Seinfeld signs her 10-year, 7-movie, $300 million contract with Marvel to be Kate Bishop and one of the leaders of the Avengers in the movies going forward because she's too good for you and you've had two years to sign her. You had the perfect director in Joss Whedon. You fired him. Now you've got unknowns and now you're hiring complete unknowns to play inferior Batgirls who are not Barbara Gordon when you should have cast Haley Steinfeld as Barbara Gordon. But overall, I'm very positive on DC, and it, you'll hear it for sure early on with Batman, and we are trying to keep an open mind about uh, the Joker. So, hope you enjoy this. Jason was great. It's two podcasts. That's 254. Uh, Suicide Squad, etc. will be 255. I am the Bizzle. Um, and so, without further ado, here comes the podcast. So, here we go, man. The Big Mac. You love Batman. He's your guy. You can do any narrative you want. But I'm going to start with the general question. With the casting of Robert Pattinson, the finally, openly leaving... Not Again, guys, it's not that I didn't want Affleck. It was just that his indifference was seemed obvious to me from the beginning and got worse and worse and worse. And him dragging it out, he's not mailing in performances. I thought he was fine in BVS and Justice League. But dragging it out and ruining or potentially ruining people's careers by making everyone wait for his decision is extremely, extremely selfish. But when you hear all the skeevy, horrible things that his younger brother Casey has been accused of by many, many female sources, he actually is looking like a pretty good guy. And the person I feel most sorry for is Matt Damon, whose childhood friends with them and feels like he has to defend them because Damon seems mostly to be a good guy. The Affleck's are a mess. I'm glad Affleck's gone. He's technically a producer. They're just throwing him a bone. This is about Robert Pattinson, man. The future of the Batman franchise, even if they don't do another one or more than one or two, like they don't do a thousand, but if, if this is the artsy Matt Reeves reboot with a slightly emo but talented actor like Robert Pattinson and they nail it, even if they decide to go different older actor or something like this, they must, must, must 
more than any of these movies, including Wonder Woman 2, I hate to say it, Batman 2021, Mr. Ritter, they must nail. Do you agree with this? Yes, this is... And why? This is your chance to talk. I'm going to shut up for a little bit. This is the one I'm most hyped for. I mean, it's like you said, it's my guy. I'm a, I'm a big Batman fan, so it's this is the one I am like praying on my hands and knees, hoping this thing will work. Because I know Matt Reese has been talking about the trilogy. I mean, and this one's going to be based on the... Uh, well, we know he can comedy. do five movies at a time because of Twilight. And say what you will about the movies and the performances, but the stamina to do five of those goddamn horrible movies is impressive in itself. And, and there's no bigger hater than tr- for Twilight than Pat- Patterson believes you and me. Cause, and this and is the Kristen Stewart. They both admit that they hated it, but they dated and, you know, at least for a while really liked each other, which I always like to see. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of movies fail. For example, Jennifer Lawrence and, and Chris Pratt in the movie Passengers, a sci-fi movie, which I actually thought was good and was really, like... Not only stupidly hated upon, but people didn't see the film. It was nothing that people were describing as like this rape fantasy or whatever. It was actually quite good. But point being, you could tell Jennifer Lawrence and Chris Pratt had a great chemistry and really liked each other. That was certainly the case, at least for a while, with Robert Pattinson and Kristen Stewart. It's interesting, man, just hypothetically, and we'll go back to Pattinson, whether he and Kristen Stewart were being open with each other. Uh, during the later Twilight movies being like, man, we kind of fucked up a little bit, (laughs) but this is a huge comeback, huge comeback. Ben Affleck could have, I mean, he didn't have to save his career, but Ben Affleck could have been locked in as a great, if you know, not good, you know. Very good, if not great, actor and legendary by just taking the fucking Batman role, the most popular and famous, most well-read and oldest superhero of all time was on Ben Affleck's lap. He wasted it. He, again, like I said, you know, ruined people's weeks, months, and years. And now we have Pattinson, dude, May 1986. He's five years younger than me. Early 30s for men, that's prime. Women, it's early to mid-20s. Natalie Portman, Jennifer Lawrence, Charles Johansson. I can go on forever. Men, it is early to mid-30s. He's 33. He's English. He's incredibly good-looking, but in a weirdly chiseled way that really matches up with Bruce Wayne. Let's be honest. I mean, I think Pattinson looks more like what I would imagine Bruce Wayne than Christian Bale. Yeah, he looks definitely like the uh, like Bruce Wayne because I, I I'm very excited. Like I said, I'm very very excited for this movie, and I've been seeing photos of him. Like you don't like Bruce Wayne unless you wear a uh, unless, unless you wear a turtleneck, and I've seen photos of him in a turtleneck because in the older movies he used to wear a turtleneck. So. <laughs> and let's let's mention he started in theater as a teenager, got his first big role. In Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, and of course, you know, I mean, if you're in a Harry Potter movie with even a semi-major role, you're already halfway there as a young actor. Then he got Twilight, and look, I've made the comparison Jennifer Lawrence, Hunger Games. Was Hunger Games amazing? No. Was Hunger Games better than Twilight? Hell yes. 
Was Jennifer Lawrence in Hunger Games cooler than either of the main characters in Twilight? Fuck yes. But in both cases, it was really a matter of Jennifer Lawrence and or her brain trust choosing the right property and Pattinson and Stewart not. And I don't want to go into the reasons about that because that's not what this podcast is about. But as we talked about last time, and I want to keep stressing, he's been very good in the indie stuff I've seen of him. Kristen Stewart has been off the wall good in the indie movie stuff I've seen her in. Um, And so, I, I mean... Maybe I'm just being naive here, man, about the Twilight legacy or lack thereof, but this is a win for everybody. And also his level of fame going up and then down and now up again parallels Bruce Wayne, right? I mean, it seems to be a lot of good signs with this match. Yeah, he's living the Batman life. I mean... I mean, his life is basically Batman. But, but but what's great about Bruce Wayne is, so you know, in The Dark Knight, his cover story for going to, you know, China to, to steal the accountant, good at calculations, um, is to go on the cruise with the Russian ballet girls. But, like, yep. Michael Caine's flirting with them more than he is. He doesn't care about the girls. The whole point of Bruce Wayne surrounding himself with, with luxury and gorgeous women, as Maggie Gyllenhaal's character, Rachel, knows, knowing him and knowing who he is, is totally a smokescreen. That's why he acts so stupid. Is it Batman Begins or Dark Knight where he acts super drunk just to get everyone out of the room? Um, Batman Begins. Batman Begins. Right? I mean... I'm sure at some level egotistically, but like, let's be honest in the three dark Knight movies, it's Rachel. Yes. Played by two actresses, but it's Rachel. It's Miranda Tate briefly. And then ultimately he finds his true soulmate in Selena Kyle. Oh, that was going to be my question. Now's the great time to ask it. Maybe I'll wait for a minute, which was who the hell can follow. I don't care what you think about dark Knight rises. Han Hathaway as Catwoman was through the roof, uh, but it just as important, her physical chemistry and comedic chemistry with Christian Bale was amazing. I mean, they had better chemistry than either, you know, Kate, Katie Holmes or Maggie Gyllenhaal. It's not an insult to them. It's just, you know, Anne Hathaway is a once-in-generation actress and is hilarious in that type of stuff. So I was going to ask you, who could follow Michelle Pfeiffer and, and uh, Anne Hathaway? Maybe we'll save that. So tell me any yeah. other thoughts you have about Pattinson and what this means. Uh, you know, um, any other thoughts you have about this? Well, I think Pattinson's going to be a great Batman and Bruce Wayne. This, I mean, he said this is the role that he he personally wanted for a long, long time. He wanted to be Batman. So I mean, now he, he was it. eight or so when the Batman animated series came out, and they definitely had it in London, England. So let me tell you, he was watching it, and being younger than me, it was even more impressionable on him. By the way, his wiki page of awards from like serious film festivals is many, many, many pages long on Wikipedia. Too many to even start going here. So... Even more than Kristen Stewart, without almost anyone noticing because of the Twilight thing. But dude, the Twilight, I mean, you know the whole uh, bad news is good news thing? You know, like any news is good news. I don't normally subscribe to that in all cases, but just the, just the um, speculation of him post-Twilight 
even for people who haven't followed him and know anything about his career, but everyone knows about Twilight and everyone knows about Robert Pattinson, that's going to drive more interest to this film, I think. I think this film is, uh, again... It's totally dependent on how Matt Reeves delivers it. But if Matt Reeves delivers even an A minus but super fun and well made film, this is easily a billion dollar movie. But more than Aquaman, it, it, it would really earn a billion to a billion and a half as being a great movie. And more importantly, or just as importantly, setting the Batman franchise on the right foot forward. Thoughts? And the most important thing about this movie is how Reeveson talks about this. This is going to be the first detective movie actually for Batman, which has me very pumped, which will lead me into um, my other thing we're going to do now is I'm going to talk about, about some of the comics we possibly Yes. People should look at. Can I make it just a very quick point about Matt Reeves and then I'll let you go on, which is just, did you see the Planet of the Apes movies? Yes. So those I movies, think, no, go ahead. And, and those movies made me well aware that he's more capable enough to, to direct this film. First of all, all those movies made a 90 to 94% on critic scores. Um, and while the fan scores were pretty close, maybe a little bit lower, they were generally agreed to be good. Like most trilogies, even when they're good, the money kept going down with each movie. People forget Empire Strikes Back made less than New Hope and Return of the Jedi made less than Empire Strikes Back. Whatever. Um, but I will say, dude, those are movies I wouldn't normally see. I think I've seen two out of three. I don't know if I saw the first one. I did see the second two. And the moral ambiguity about humanity that those movies are ultimately about fits perfectly within the highly ambiguous morality that goes on in the Batman universe. So among other, just being a great director would have been enough of dark films for the masses. But do you see what I'm saying? Like he mm-hmm. gets the subtlety of all the, ver- you know, like for example, he would get the difference between Harley and the Joker on a really deep level, whether she appears or not. Go yes, ahead on the I, comics. I, all right. So, if people don't know, um, the, what they talked about for this, for their rumor of a plot is yep. that it's going to be around, you know, a bunch of crimes happening in Gotham with a lot of suspects. If you have issues around there, let me know, because I'm taking notes. I want to put this in the copy. Okay. Or so, years or authors, whatever. Yeah. So, um, I'm going to name off a bunch of I'm going to name off a bunch of comics that I think people should read before this movie comes out if they want to. Um, so people can see what, what the, you guys better read. If I find out that you guys don't haven't read any of this stuff, Bizzle's not going to be happy. Go ahead. Yeah. So the main comic they are basing off of is Jeff Loeb's and Tim sales, Batman, the long Halloween, which I wonder, did you read this one yet? Bizzle? So I have Comixology, which is spectacular for independent comics and Marvel, but not good for DC. Um, so I'm not saying you and I should exchange passwords for our comics programs if you do digital comics, but I'm not not saying it. 
bottom line is, if if it's not Batgirl or Wonder Woman, I probably haven't read it in the last couple of years, but it's all on my list. Okay, Jeff Loeb, yeah. Batman The Long Halloween. Roughly when yeah. was that? Um, I think it was around the 90s. 90s, okay. Give, give or take. Okay, so we got right. Jeff Loeb, Batman Long Halloween sometime in the 90s. Keep going. Yep, and and this and this comic also helped uh, influence one of your mind favorite movies, The Dark Knight. They yes. pull a lot of stuff. You mean the from best that. comic book movie of all time? Yes. Yep. So there's a scene, just to give example, there's a scene in the comic with Batman, Commissioner Gordon. Is this a long and, Halloween still? Sorry. Yep. Okay. Harvey Dent. Uh, on top of police headquarters with the bat signal lighting up and Batman's next to the light next to the signal when they're talking about having to deal with these crimes. Does that sound really familiar? Yeah, I mean that's the the whole argument is if if you're pragmatic calcul if you're brilliant like Bruce Wayne and you're pragmatic this applies to Daredevil but mostly to Batman because of his brains and Iron Man as well in his own way. If your pragmatic calculation is working outside the law even if I'm helping the cops, but I'm working outside the law, like we see the Dark Knight do multiple times, man, in the Dark Knight, and that's part of Joker's successful argument against Batman is how hypocritical he is, right? He's supposedly fighting for truth and justice, but he's going to China and kidnapping people across international borders. That movie's so brilliant. Um, yeah. That's always the that's always the argument, right? How, like yeah. Gordon supports Batman. Should he? Half the cops are corrupt. They don't like him. Maybe they do. I love that stuff. Yes, it's familiar, and I love it. Yep. And also, during the middle of the comic, there is a part where Harvey Dent does during during a crime spree does turn into Two Face. Mm-hmm. So another check mark. Mm-hmm. Yep. By the way, another topic that came up early in the Brick Girl Alistair podcast in 2017-2018, again, they're as hardcore DC as you, um, and got me really schooled in a time I wasn't super schooled, other than getting pumped for Wonder Woman and getting into Batgirl because of Brick Girl. Uh, That's why she goes by Brick Girl, Batgirl. She's obsessed with Batgirl. Um, But that was also when Netflix was great. Jessica Jones season one had come out. We were excited for two. Daredevil one and two were great. Iron Fist hasn't hadn't come out yet, which was you know not received great at least at first. Luke Cage had just come out, which people mostly liked, and I was loving this sort of rated R Marvel vision on television. And after Wonder Woman and being sick of Doctor Strange and Guardians and all these overly colorful Marvel movies, not even really loving Ragnarok to be honest, my dude. Even though I love Taika, I only like like parts of ragnarok i was very pumped and we talked a lot about the ben mostly benefits of doing a ground level bat universe on tv on the screen or both for me because my favorite marvel movie other than some of the avengers perhaps is definitely captain america the winter soldier and it's because it's the most realistic, it's the most violent, but in a responsible way. It's the most ground level. You have a small amount of characters. You know, Cap has superpowers, but they're not super, super, superpowers. Falcon has a flying suit. Scarlett Johansson has her brains and some guns, right? I mean, it's not fucking cosmic stuff. And I always like the Team Cap ground level. Even Wakanda is based on Earth, ground level stuff. And so I started having this shift and I like Justice League, as you know, way more than most people. And so I had a shift for like six to seven months where I was like, I'm kind of moving to DC and getting sick of Marvel. 
But then all the backlash started happening with DC, and then Black Panther happened, and then Infinity War happened, and, you know, the rest is history, as they say. But that being said, if Marvel keeps putting out this popcorny Captain Marvel, Doctor Strange, PG-13 stuff, and DC can successfully put out adult-rated R, Batman, Batverse, Suicide Squad, some combination, either rated R or Dark Knight-level hard R, man, that could definitely pull me back in. So I love these issues with the uh, ambiguous morality. What else you got for me? Um, the next one is also, it's, it's the sequel to The Long Calling. I mean, there's a whole trilogy, but... This one's called um, Batman Dark Victory, which is about yeah, it's about it's about Robin, about the origin of Robin. It's called Batman Dark Victory. Dick Grayson, Robin. Yep. Okay. Keep going. Yep, it's the same guys: Tim Loeb and um, Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. So, so you know Jeff Loeb, along with um, what's his face, who did The Martian. Uh, you know, were the two main executive producers on Daredevil. Um, and interestingly, man, quick fun fact, I thought for sure Daredevil was just a ripoff of Batman. But actually, Daredevil was created much earlier than I thought in the 1960s. And according to Stan Lee, at least, they were more trying to make a low-level, street-level-based mini-Superman, not Batman. Which I find hard to believe because it seems like a blatant ripoff of the Green Arrow and Batman. Nevertheless, it's clear with the, you know the Man Without Fear being rebooted uh, in '90s by why am I forgetting his name? Frank Miller, who's done Batman. Obviously, the rebooted Daredevil, and up until now, is very highly inspired by Batman. So it's interesting, Jeff Loeb. What else you got for me? Um, we got another mystery book. Um, this is a this one's again. You can, you can take a pattern here. This is Jeff Loeb and drawn by Jim Lee. This, yes. name, this one's called yes. Batman Hush, which is a another detective book about a bunch of suspects. Mm-hmm. If you are an X-Men fan from the 80s and or 90s and you hear the names Jim Lee and or Chris Claremont, your ears immediately perk up. Yep. And and this year they actually made that into an animated movie. So if you don't want to read the book and watch the movie, you can watch the movie. (laughs) So Can I ask you a favor? Yep. I don't know. Maybe this will be on mic. Maybe this will be off mic. If you have links to any of these animated stuff that you mentioned, I would love if you send them to me. It doesn't have to be at once or like super organized, but like you mention all these great animated things and I don't need to like, I just searched Batman Hush. Okay. Official trailer. Is there a free place for me to watch it? Do I describe to part of the, uh, what I'm confused this about one, is this one is, well, this one is on the DC universe app. So if people have the app, they can watch it. Okay, so with the DC Universe app, do they have a deal with the comics as well, or is that totally different? I think they have they have issues of the comics on there. Yes, they have the Long Halloween and stuff on there. Like I can subscribe and get comics and TV. You can get sus- comics, TV, okay. movies. Puzzlecast so. listeners, I'm getting my free trial right 
Now I'm just opening the screen because I don't want to take the time. But I'm going to sign up for a free trial as soon as we're done. I'm sick of this. I want to see it. I want to see it all. I want to see Doom Patrol. I want to see. Oh, we'll end with Titans uh, as a as a, a palate cleanser. I want to see Young Justice. I want to see it. Harley when it comes out. So, um, what else you got for me with comics? Anything? Um, no, I just got one movie that I think might be in their mystery one, which I think they are they are definitely linked into the. Like the mystery noir of the movie, so another one I, I love and a lot of people love, which I saw in the movie theater last year for its anniversary, mm. and it is Batman: Mask of the Phantasm. Oh for- yes, which is considered, you know, like Batman the animated series, considered probably the best animated comic book show. Mask of the Phantasm, I believe, is considered maybe the best. At least until Spider Verse uh, animated superhero movie, or am I overstating that? Um, I don't think so. People call this sometimes the best Batman and movie and stuff. Mm. So that was, I was just a little too old when that came out, but I remember in the back of my head, the guilty uh, pleasure part being like, I kind of want to see this movie. I don't know if I ever did. Yeah. And and it's, it's not that long. So, you Mm -hmm. know, people can take like, you know, a few minutes or so and it's probably already done. So, Continue. It, it, um, I th- think that's about it for like I think what me might be the influences for the okay. Matt Reeves movie. So let me ask one specific question about what you just talked about with the comic books. If you had to point to one issue or one run, and it could be, and it sounds like it will be one of the runs you mentioned, as what represents your favorite version of batman what would it be if in comic books that's pretty easy it's batman the long halloween i mean it is it is an out and out detective story it grips you and you're trying you like batman are trying to you know trying to follow it because there are a lot of suspects with this you know this killer and you're trying to figure out who it might be and you know body by the end, it, it, it's sort of like a there's like a like a twist of who the killer is. I don't want to spoil who it is, but you know, it, it puts you on your on your toes a little bit hmm. with that story. Hmm. 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 So, which, if I'm hearing you correctly, my dude, and I believe I am, without saying it, you're saying. That your favorite or one of your favorite Batman comics seems to be heavily influencing the rebirth of the new Batman vision. Yes. So from one to ten, how much trouble are you having waiting for this movie? Um I'm I'm at I'm at a like a, a five right now because you know, there are other movies coming out that... Well, that was going to be my follow-up, is is it because it's so far out than there are other movies, or because you're still skeptical of it? Because there are other movies that, yeah. that I want to see yet, too, so... Mm-hmm. Um, okay. We're going to quickly do... Uh, so, guys... I'll have mentioned this in the added intro. So this will be released both as the long, full 
podcast about DC with Jason. And thank you, Jason. We're going along every time, but that just shows you've got great stamina and we've got great rapport. So I'm thrilled about that. I hope you've been enjoying it. We still have a couple topics. Um, but this will also be released as its own a Batman thing. And I'm probably going to include uh, Birds of Prey as well, man, with the Batverse, which we're about to talk about. So we could talk Batman forever. I, I think our next podcast or one of our next few podcasts, if we can continue doing this, should be a straight up Batman book club. And I just signed up for $7.99 a month. There goes more money out the window. But you only... What YOLO, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> YOLO. I don't know how they didn't even say how long. It's probably like a forty-eight hour test period. Who fucking cares? I'm gonna end up paying for it because I get the comics. Um so if you want to do a straight up Batman book club with what you mentioned, man, I would be totally down. I can devour I <laughs> leading up to a major Star Wars comics podcast, my only major one ever, like a year ago with Jedi Geek Girl. I literally read, I did, I did a page count, like 3,500 pages of Star Wars comics in about six weeks. I'm not saying I want to do that again, but I can devour digital comics pretty quickly, especially when they're good and these sound amazing. So maybe we do a Batman book club, you know, maybe every few podcasts, if we get that regular, we could talk Batman. Uh, it sounds like I don't have to pull your, uh, pull your, uh, your arm. Uh, what's the fucking saying? I, I don't have to tug too hard, uh, to get you to do Batman podcast. It sounds like. No, no. Okay. So I mean, we got to talk about birds of prey, how weird it is and how unknown these actresses are. But I want you to end on anything, even if it's multiple things about Batman, because it's the most important yeah. movie. It's the most interesting one to you. It's the most interesting one to me. And let's be honest. It is the most interesting one when it comes to DC in America, more than Aquaman for sure. And even more than, uh, Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman. Go ahead. All right. So I'm going to talk about, um, the recent news that, I sent to you, I think it was like a week or two ago, about how they want a person of color for Catwoman. So casting, here we go. Yep, yep, yep. I, I need casting. I, I need. I actually have box office music. Um, do you know the song? Do you know Pink Floyd at all? Yeah, I know. So you know the song "Money" from Dark Side of the Moon. Yes, where they make rhythmic noises out of the cash register. So I have a, I have like a downbeat electronic track that kind of samples that a little bit, and so I occasionally use that during like long box office discussion. But I need casting news music as well uh, because you know I love talking casting news. So woman of color, Catwoman could be anywhere from eighteen to thirty five years old. Uh, give me a couple that you think are likely or have heard about, and then give me a couple that you would want, even if they're dream casting and not likely. Um, the one they went after doesn't sound like it's happening now. Was Zoe Kravitz for Catwoman? So, and I know the one. Uh, go ahead. No, I wanted you to to say to the Bizzlecast listeners too, Zoe. Other than being Lenny Kravitz's gorgeous daughter, uh, um, what, what you know Zoe Kravitz from? Zoe Kravitz was uh, she played the character. I think it, I forget. Maybe it was Angel or something in Angel. that. Angel. Yep. Mm-hmm. First class. She was the, uh, I guess, like schoolmate or something of Newt Scamander in the Fantastic Beats Beast movies. Mm-hmm. And she was in Mad Max Fury Road. So. 
and I have to say this because the predominance of the people I'm about to mention, my people, as not just movers and shakers in Hollywood, the Jews that is, but actresses in particular, Natalie Portman, Scarlett Johansson, Gal Gadot, Haley Steinfeld, Rachel Weiss, Mila Kunis, and even some others you wouldn't believe. The joke is always that Lenny Kravitz is a black dude with a Jewish last name, but he is in fact part Jewish, and she has Jewishness on both sides. So the gorgeous, totally multi and ambiguously ethnic, gorgeous Zoe Kravitz identifies as a secular Jew. You gotta love it. I, my, my people, you know, we've had a hard time of it over the years. We got to appreciate all, all, the, all the beautiful women. But let's be honest, man. Part of the problem with casting, forget the Jewish thing. That was just me being an idiot. Uh, part of the casting thing is there are even way more than guys, again, between 18 and 35, from Haley Steinfeld to Natalie Portman, an unreal amount of Academy-level talent women out there, including people like Kravitz, but especially Naomi Scott and Zendaya and others who may very well be of that level someday. Um, so that's impressive, but makes the casting game hard. But who do you got uh, any other than Zoe Kravitz, who I would be totally fine with? Uh, well, that was that was that was who uh, Reeves was after, but now she's not going to do it. I guess. Yeah, that was the rumor. You know, she's like. She's ho- she's sort of like rock and roll slash Hollywood royalty. So she like dabbles in movies. She dabbles in modeling. And while I totally, this is like Gwyneth Paltrow. She, you know, she's doing also she's gooping and stuff. I, I totally respect their decision to do it. Um, but like Ben Affleck's instability, I want actors like Christian Bale and Daniel Day-Lewis and even looks like Robert Pattinson who are 1,000% committed to acting in their craft and being professionals. And so if Zoe Kravitz was less than 1,000%, darling, you're beautiful. I wish you luck. You were cool in X-Men First Class, kind of, but... We need someone who's committed. So who are we going to get that's committed, my dude? Oh, yeah, well, that's good. Well, I mean, my fan casting would be probably Naomi Scott because... Yeah, that's my... I mean, but she, she is great and stuff in, in all the movies I've seen her in, in so mm-hmm. far. Because um, I was, I was uh, dragged to see Aladdin. <laughs> I wouldn't see it, not because I didn't think it would be... Well, maybe it was horrible. I, the reason I didn't see Aladdin was because I thought it would be horrible. The reason I didn't see it is because, like The Little Mermaid, and to a certain extent, Lion King, I think the originals are perfect. I don't need to see it again. Now, movies, recent remakes like The Jungle Book and Beauty and the Beast, I had no problem seeing because I don't really like The Jungle Book story, and I wasn't actually a huge fan of the Beauty. The one musical in the 90s I didn't love from Disney was Beauty and the Beast. The music was too kind of show tuney for me, and it was obvious even as a kid that she was just a prisoner and what the fuck was going on. But when it was Emma Watson, and I knew they were doing like an openly progressive new take on Belle with gay people and female empowerment and so forth, which mostly they did do, I mean, they even got banned in some religious countries because of it. So they were accomplishing something. 
I quite enjoyed both John Favreau's The Jungle Book and Beauty and the Beast, but movies that I think are perfect, like Lion King and Aladdin, I have no need to see. Now, The Little Mermaid, they're also talking about casting a woman of color, so we'll see about that. Um, so you didn't like Aladdin. <laughs> no, I, I liked it. I just said I, I didn't want to see it, but then I saw it and liked it. So. Look, I, you know... There are only a handful of actresses that I've only seen in trailers in Naomi Scott, whether it's Power Rangers or Aladdin, two movies I'm not interested in, but it's so obvious. Obviously, she's gorgeous and young, but gorgeous. She's a woman, adult. She can make her own decisions, but she's still young. But you can tell she has major charisma and screen presence just from the trailers. Did you, were you, it sounds like you must have been impressed by her to make her a fan. She was one of my, what I was, she was exactly what I was going to say next. I'm curious if using her in Aladdin informed her as a possible casting pick. Yeah, seeing her in Aladdin made me uh, form some, some, some of it a little bit, so. Have you seen either or both of the MCU Spidey movies? Rest in peace, Tom Holland. Sorry, it sucks, but that's yeah. Business, I, I've I, I've seen both of them. Do you like Zendaya, and is she a possible pick uh, for Catwoman or some of these other characters? Um, possibly. I like Zendaya, so I mean, we'll see. Because I mean, the thing about Catwoman is she's supposed to be around like like Batman's age usually in the comics and stuff. So they're going to go younger, especially because Robert Pattinson looks even younger than he is. You know, he hasn't really aged other than getting a little more kind of chiseled, you know, grown up a little bit and younger ladies love Robert Pattinson. I think a 24 to 26 year old, especially if you're doing multiple movies and a challenging physical role as Catwoman, my preference would be 23 to 27, but that's somewhat arbitrary, but is based on, you know, me studying these things. I don't know what you think of that theory. Uh, I I agree with it. It's just, I'm just thinking about like, you know, how they do in the comics because right now we're in the, in the comp, we had something in the comics where they almost got married and stuff. So, mm-hmm. well, look, th- this is what yeah. I know. Naomi Grace Scott, also from London, is twenty six years old. Okay, so she's already into her prime age wise and has her best stuff in in front of her. She's Ugandan. She's Indian. She's English. Um. She might also even be part Jewish, too. She's like four to six ethnicities, but she is not only a person of color, but both African descent and possible Muslim descent. So here's the problem, man. When I mentioned the Muslim descent, there's going to be one major, major competitor for Naomi Scott in terms of comic book casting. You know where I'm going with this? Um, no, you in, in Marvel, in Marvel, for a recently announced property that would cast someone like Naomi Scott specifically, a new Marvel property. Miss Marvel? Ka- yep, Kamala Khan. Kamala Khan. I mean, if you look at the list of Kamala Khan potentials, they're all beautiful, but they're completely unknown Indian or Indian uh, American um, or Indian English actresses. 
And just like they are definitely working Kate Bishop, hopefully Haley Steinfeld from Hawkeye into being a prime Avenger. Side note, Jason, I posted this online. I don't know if you agree with me. I think the main holdup in the Haley negotiations is specifically that they want to sign her to anywhere from a two to seven movie deal with her age, skill, and the character on top of the show. And she's got to look at her career because she's got a pop star career. She loves doing indie movies. I think that's the holdup. It's a thousand percent confirmed they've offered her the job. I think they're just hammering out how the film is going to work because if she has to do five movies in the next 10 years, but they still have to let her be a pop star, you know, to hang out with Taylor Swift, do cool things, model and everything else that she does. Right. And yeah. I'm telling you, yeah. man, they've, they've not been hiding it, but in case you guys didn't know, Kamala Khan is a thousand ninety percent going to be in the movies after the TV show. And so they are casting what they call Jason, movie ready actresses and god damn it if naomi scott is not a movie ready actress so is zendaya and there's some others but because naomi scott is part muslim i have to think if she wants it uh, by the way she's already a disney princess literally um in, in the disney family this is an easy sell I think they get Naomi Scott for Kamala Khan, so we got to look elsewhere. I also like Zendaya's edginess. I also like about Zendaya that, like Haley Steinfeld, she is not afraid in her characters to make herself look totally messy. Because when you see both Haley Steinfeld and Zendaya like done up, you're like, damn, like gorgeous. But like in Edge of Seventeen or Zendaya and Spider Man, like they're not afraid to just like look like a messy, you know, kind of screwed in the head teenage kids, right? Um, I, I respect that. I, I think. Naomi Scott is a little too pretty, actually. Not that that's a bad thing. I just think it's a better fit for Ms. Marvel, who worships Carol Danvers um, as Kamala Khan. I think Zendaya's edginess would fit better for Catwoman. Mm-hmm. I don't. Well, I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll see what happens. But I think Kamala Khan's supposed to be a teenager, so we'll see how that goes. That is true, but. Because Brie Larson is older than she looks and older than she's supposed to be. And dude, when I told you Naomi Scott was 26, you, you must have been a little surprised at that, right? I mean, I was thinking 22, 23 at most before I looked this up. Yeah, I was a little surprised. And I don't want more Spider-Man characters in high school. I don't even like Spider-Verse was great. I don't want more teenage high school kids. And so a 26-year-old playing a 21-year-old version of Kamala Khan who's already dealing with early adulthood and racism and discrimination as well as be- being a superhero, I think it works perfectly. But w- we'll see. I mean, Scarlett Johansson has literally not aged in 15 years. If you go back and look at her early like Woody Allen movies, like she basically looks exactly the same. So, the, you know, Zoe Saldana is way older than people might think. Uh, so Naomi Scott is 26, going to be 27. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. But you know, if, if she, I, th- I think if she does go for, if they do try to approach for Catwoman, I think she'll probably, probably jump at it. Depends on the money. Depends on the contract. Depends on the vision. 
Um, the problem is Kamala Khan is arguably, other than Jessica Jones, the most important female character to come to screen for th- this version of Marvel for very different reasons. But in terms of social implications, you got Wonder Woman in DC and you've got Kamala Khan and, you know, and, um, uh, and I just totally lost my train of thought. Um, and, and, and if it's anything like the wrong Halloween, Catwoman plays in a very, very important role in that book. So if they make the role as important in this movie as it is in the book, then she might jump at it. So I mean, she was a Power Ranger, so she can do the physical stuff. I think I'm just being distracted by how just sort of regal and princessly she looks in real life as well as in, you know, in uh, in Aladdin. For the record, man, in The Dark Knight Rises, uh, Christian Bale was approximately 38 at the time, and Anne Hathaway at the time was approximately... Uh, b- 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 thirty to thirty-two. So, and they were extremely sexy together. So you don't need to be twenty-one and twenty-five have sexy thing going. But yeah, I don't disagree with you. Naomi Scott at her age, contrasted with with Pattinson, their looks, their career paths, her being a little younger, but maybe being a, the more mature one, even while being sort of a good guy, bad guy, good guy, bad guy. Yeah. That could work great. That could work great. And she is slightly more proven than Zendaya. Even though Zendaya has been in higher grossing, well, hmm, Aladdin plus Power Rangers versus two Spider-Man movies, it's close. It's close. But but she was the lead. Sorry. I was going to say, Naomi Scott's been the lead. Zendaya's not the lead. All right, Jimbo Ritter. Another amazing podcast. We managed to surpass last podcast. I must mention... The record holder uh, of longest Bizzlecast ever, uh, you might be surprised at first until you think about it further, was my BVS reaction podcast with Maddie G, who was my first DC uh, buddy, who was a regular contributor, has been on a ton of podcasts, not recently, but in the past and will be in the future. And he is a hardcore DC fan, but he especially loves Superman. And he despised what they did with Superman and Man of Steel and BVS because he actually wrote his senior thesis in college about the golden and silver ages of Superman and how it represented the optimism of Jewish and other immigrants from Europe. And Superman was a metaphor for immigrants actually contributing positively to the country as it grew in new directions. And now we've got Superman just being angry and brooding and murdering along with Batman being angry and brooding and murdering. Uh, but it ended up just being us joking about the state of a superhero movies because Deadpool had just come out like a month or two before as well, which changed, which was a game changer. So I don't think we're going to beat it this time, maybe in the future. I really appreciate you staying on this long. As I mentioned, guys, you may be listening to this as the Batman special, which is probably about 30, 40 minutes, or you may be listening to the full three-hour podcast, in which case, God bless you and hope you've enjoyed it. In either case, we love talking about Batman. We're going to talk more Batman. Dude, I'm on DC universe now 7.99 a month you know yolo we only live once so fuck it i'm gonna read these comics we'll do batman book club it'll be great yep and so, maybe 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 by the next time we co- come on i come on maybe we'll 
and we'll review Titans season one, maybe. Okay. Okay. Um, oh, okay. Here's an interesting question. Not first three shows, because there aren't that many. First three seasons of the DC streaming service I should watch. And in what order? Um, let's see. I think you should... I think you'll love Young Justice. That, I'm going to watch you- Doom Patrol. Spoiler alert first. <laughs> <laughs> not surprised, but... I would, and then, yeah, yeah, I think then, then Young Justice. Yeah, then Young Justice, because that, that's definitely a shit for you. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And then... And from there, Titans, because there are some... R- really good female actresses in that show that are really talented and have a brave future ahead of them. So. I mean, just based on the voice cast and the love of the character, I think the Harley show has to and almost certainly will murder it in a positive way, uh, is my prediction. I really hope so. It will. Really- with, that, with that cast... And everyone, the writers, the composers, I mean, it's just A-plus top to bottom from what I've seen. And also, I think we forgot to talk about in the last podcast, but your boy also, Blake Neely, uh, not, 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 yeah, um, Kevin Kiner, I mean to say, does the music for Titans also. Uh-huh, yep. Yep, and Brian Tyler, who does, you know, Call of Duty and Assassin's Creed soundtracks, which are the best video game soundtracks, and is a Hans Zimmer disciples doing music for them. They got Clint Manziel, who's like an extremely, you know, uh, well-respected, awarded, but very bizarre. He does all, like, the Darren Aronofsky movies, like Moon with Sam Rockwell, like these really trippy Requiem for a Dream, just like an amazing but totally bizarre bonkers guy is doing i think i don't know if it's doom patrol or young justice it's one of them i was oh, like oh my god does. clint manzel's involved this is real he does swamp thing okay okay which by the way I, I, money so much money i don't know if it's a year or two that is shows coming back it's coming back i've heard too many people rave about it and the interest of HBO and these properties and wanting more rated R content post Game of Thrones, they get it hand delivered to them by DC. If HBO gets involved, I, I think it's a done deal. But we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, yep. I, I think something's going to happen with that show. We just got to be patient and wait. Yep. Um, let's put it this way. There have been many shows over the past decades, far less worthy and far less liked, um, that have gotten rebooted, you know, numerous times, uh, because of, you know, enough fan support. Yeah, that is, yeah. that is true. For God's sakes, the Brown Coats, AKA Firefly Flint fans got a movie made. They pressured Fox uh, I guess through uh through Paramount with with Firefly to fund like a sixty million dollar Serenity movie that they had no intention of making just to just to please the angry fans enough to leave them the fuck alone. You gotta love it. You gotta love it. Yes, you do. <laughs> okay, and the and the brown coats are still strong. They are. They are. I mean, you know, for me, single season of television is for me favorite is between Jessica Jones season one and Firefly single season. 
that's th- that's my top two. And it's related because I can't stand Jessica Jones season two and three. I look at it as a one season show. And so, it, you know, it's somewhat easy to pick those. Do you, do you have a, f- a favorite? And then we're going to end on Birds of Prey and really wrap this thing up. Like Firefly is, is one of my favorite science fiction shows for mostly because one of my favorite and also one of my favorite episodes from that show is the Jane Town episode. That's is one of my favorites. You have I give you two hundred million dollars to make to remake the Justice Mo- Justice League movie, quote unquote, better. Do you pick Joss Whedon at full strength or Zack Snyder at full strength? I, I pick Josh Whedon. Thank you. I knew that was the answer. I thought, but I wanted to make sure. Sorry, Alistair. Um, I love you guys. Um, <laughs> I'm constantly throwing shade at my other podcasters like by accident. Uh, you 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 seem difficult to offend. Not that I'm ever trying to, but I just blabber as you can tell. So okay, dude, birds of prey. Here's what I know: Margot Robbie, huge thumbs up. The teaser trailer I saw, at least on first glance, giant thumb down. The actresses cast sideways. I have no idea. Your thoughts on Birds of Prey, say as much as you want, and then we'll do like quick final thoughts and wrap this up. So, now, I I knew a trailer was coming because they released almost every single image from that trailer online, and I'm like, oh, that must, ah, it must be just pro images, and then I see the trailer, I'm like, wait. So all those images was from the trailer. It's you know, it's not like a one from the movie. It's from the actual trailer, and I saw the whole trailer through images. So, so I thought I didn't, for a trailer it wasn't too bad. It gave a tone at least, and the tone seems to be very Quentin Tarantino. So, and yeah, I mean, that's true. It most looks like the trailer for uh, the Quentin Tarantino most recent movie, which I wanted to see but didn't. I saw it. I thought it was pretty good. I mean, the whole trailer looks like Margot Robbie tripping on acid, unless I'm missing something. Yeah. And, and the thing that has me very excited about this movie is uh, the villain they picked, which is a, I think it's a C or D level Batman villain at most, where you have Ewan McGregor, Obi-Wan Kenobi himself, playing Simon Ronis, a.k.a black mask and but for the record he's the nathan fillion slash harrison ford of this movie he's gonna bring butts to the seats hopefully interest as well as you and mcgregor especially because anyone who likes star wars even one percent is thrilled about the obi-wan series yes so i I, i'm just interested because the stuff that's coming around him he might be the first i guess first major comic book villain who is gay and stuff so that's going to be very interesting to see how they're going to pull this off so okay so here's what i know okay okay you can stop me any of these places okay so for those of you out there the birds of prey 
And obviously Harley's in it with Margot Robbie. And dude, I don't think it's an ego thing that she's all over the trailer. She realizes that at least at first, you know, the optics of this, we have to draw people in through Harley because that's what people love. Then they'll see the other actresses and hopefully get interested. Now having, uh, um, you know, a, a classic actress like, actress like Rosie Perez, who we haven't had in a while, but who's great and recognizable, but especially Ewan McGregor, will certainly help. Here's what I know. And guys, uh, I was going to say out there, there are three main characters that are almost always in The Bird of Prey, right? Some version of Batgirl, Helena Bertinelli, a.k.a. The Huntress, who's very morally ambiguous, but eventually, in those cases that I've read, usually joins the good guy side, even if she's a fucking pain in their ass. And Dina Lance, guys, it's not Dina Lance, it's Dina Lance. You know how I know that? Because she was created uh, early on by one of the Jewish creators of of the DC Comics. And Dean, or Dina, in Hebrew means justice. So Dina Lance actually means she's the Lance of Justice, which is totally fitting, but also hilarious when you read the funnier Black Canary stuff, where she's obsessed with her nails and her makeup and stuff like that. And a total waste with Katie Cassidy. I'm sorry. I always say it. I'm sorry, Katie Cassidy. But they, they, they picked the pretty girl who's prissy, but not in the way that the Black Canary that I've read. So she's being played by Journey Smollett Bell. Do you know who Journey Smollett Bell is? I think uh, most people do. I don't. Tell me. Um... Well, we, we know about her brother. I don't want to talk about that, though. But oh, I don't okay. know who she is, so... Um, but uh, it, look, it, looks, okay. it looks like she's doing... It looks like she's doing, like, the... Uh, if I remember what I heard from some people, it's the New 52 style where she's a singer at a club. So... Oh, okay. Um... She's a person of color, obviously, which is great. Um, even in the sort of wiki picture, I can see it already. Uh, you know, I, I can see the sort of glamour that, you know, is partially an obsession with Black Canary, but is also par- partially just, you know, fake ego stuff to, you know, help deal with all the craziness that's going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and the photos they kind of showed of her in the movie looks like she has like a punk rocker vibe to her. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, she's won a Critics Choice Award. She was on Friday Night Lights, acclaimed. She was on True Blood, much loved by a lot of people. She's won three NAACP Image Awards, which means she's loved and respected greatly within the black community, which is very important. She's beautiful. They say she's 32. I mean, I'm just getting old. She looks 26 to me. I mean, if 26-year-old Naomi Scott looks 20, this 32-year-old looks 26. The reason I want to point this out, though, we're going to talk about Mary Elizabeth Winstead in a second, uh, who's playing Helena Bertinelli. The problem is there's almost... I mean, the the woman who's playing Cassandra Kane, right? I mean, also a person Mm -hmm. of color, which is totally fine doesn't even have a wiki entry has almost no credits on imdb and honestly i i 
I'm not trying to be insulting here. I'm just acting as a casting agent. I guess there are a lot of assholes. She looks like a chubby 17 awkward 17 year old awkward Korean Filipino girl. And God bless her. She looks like she's having a blast. Look, she was on Veep. Like that's a great cameo. But putting her with multiple award-winning actors like Mary Winstead and this other woman, Smollett Bell. I, can you explain this to me? Um, not really. Okay, so M- Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who's playing, um, she's playing Helena Bertinelli. She's pretty well known. Yeah, um, most people know her from the Scott Pilgrim movies, which is one on the top of my list of so overrated movies of all time. I know I have a lot of haters out there just for saying that. Sorry, guys. Scott Pilgrim is not only overrated, it's sexist. It's not as funny as it thinks it is. And she doesn't actually do anything other than look cool being fought over the whole time. She's a great actress, I think. Terrible terrible movie sorry yeah and uh and she was in the um horror movie 10 cloverfield lane and she was in the, a lot of horror movies she's in the thing abraham lincoln vampire hunter 10 cloverfield lane and jj abrams property uh fargo which is a dark property brain dead i mean she's also performed with dan the automator who's like one of the greatest DJs of all time. He was great when I was in the late 90s listening to hip-hop. So she has got major skills. Yeah, and, and she was in the last two Die Hard movies. And Final Destination. Right, so she's been in weird sci-fi stuff. She's a musician. She's in all this horror stuff. Honestly, you combine that, and she's 34, looks maybe 28, 29. Perfect Helena Bertinelli casting. I mean, and and the uh, what I hear about her character is supposedly she is on a revenge path against uh, Ewan McGregor's character. Awesome. Helen is best when she's on the revenge path, and Dina and Bat. Okay, I was thinking to say Dina and Babs. Dina and Bat are all trying to you know reclaim her the way you know Karen and Foggy are with Daredevil and so forth. Blah 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 blah. So here's the thing, man. Two great established veteran actresses in their early 30s, great castings, and a chubby teenage chick that no one's heard of who's done almost nothing playing not Babs as the first Batgirl. Look, because of Harley and because I love Birds of Prey and I like these other two actresses and I love, love, love Ewan McGregor, I'm going to see this movie. I am furious that Babs is not the first one out the gate. And it's even more insulting. Again, no shade to this actress. I'm sure she's going to be great. She's just way younger and looks way younger. Maybe it's not an updated photo. She looks way too young to hang with these other chicks. Even if they go with year one Batgirl, it makes no sense. These other girls have been through relationships. They've, you know, ups and downs of life. They're out of their 20s. You you know, man, you don't really get uh, grown up until you're out of your 20s, right? I mean, there's no way she can hang with them, and maybe that'll be the point, but just even if she was a great actress and better cast or seemingly better cast, not having Babs as the first one out the gate, I am furious, and this is why 
I am not only getting more okay with Haley Steinfeld, not as Batgirl, and being Kate Bishop, because it certainly seems more realistic, but this is another case of DC making, I think, uh, as contrasted to the great decisions of Batman, a terrible, terrible, ter- ter- as Charles Barkley would say, terrible, terrible, terrible decision with doing Cassie Kane first and having it be a complete unknown, way too young and inexperienced actress. I'm sorry. I'm mad. Babs is my favorite in DC. I mean, Wonder Woman on screen, but in terms of the comics, Babs is easily my favorite, and I love the Batverse. I mean, I don't know, man. I'm just going to shut up. T- tell me if you like, love, hate, indifferent, both the fact that it's this really young, unestablished actress and or that it's Cassie Kane and not Babs. So the thing about Cassie Kane, what I hear from this movie is the Birds of Prey's mission is to rescue her because Black Mask wants to make her a future like enforcer for his organization. Oh, great. So we're also going to disempower and do woman in refrigerator again with, with a Batgirl character. Unbelievable. I almost want this movie to fail. And I feel bad saying that because I like a lot of people involved, but Batgirl is more important than the other birds of prey in all of these characters. I would argue in the long run, you know, Margot Robbie is Harley in terms of the long run. And this is why I would consider doing a decently budgeted TV series, The Batgirl, instead of a movie so that we could see her like Jessica Jones uh, or, you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or whatever over a number of years makes maybe would make more sense. This is insulting. I'm honestly insulted. And I don't know if I'm enough of a DC fan, man, that uh, me being insulted means anything because you are more steeped in your pinky than my entire body in this stuff. Um, Does my anger, I don't know if it surprises you, does it make sense to you, though, why I'm pissed about this? Yes, it does. Uh, I, I get that. Do you just, think other people are pissed? Have you heard of other people who are pissed or, or confused? Mm, no, but I think maybe it might be like a river situation where they say, they save her, but then she has like this. She has has that assassin thing going, and she might help him. No, 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 no. I'm not letting you get away with the summer glow comparison. Not until I see something from this girl. I'm just making a. Of maybe I'm not. not I have a soft spot for Summer Glau and River Tab. I, I I got a little emotional there. I apologize. I'm just saying maybe they they might do that, but I'm just. But you know I won't know until they see mm-hmm. the until I see the movie. So okay, so we're gonna table Birds of Prey till we know more. We're going to do book club for Batman, right? Yep. Uh, yep. Well, and or Titans one, which hopefully I'll watch. So, I mean, here's the thing. I don't normally like to skip seasons. It sounds like Titans gets better after the first season. Do I really have to watch the first season? Um, The series finale is the first episode, uh, the season one finale that they shot in table because they didn't have, I don't, I think it's because they didn't have the budget for Trigon. That is the first episode of season two. So, I think it's very important that you watch season one, so then season two, because then you have more context. Mm. Okay. Um, Final thought, and then we're going to close this out. But this is important and connected. 
Joker, Joaquin Phoenix, October 4th. If it wasn't the Joker, a psycho, crazy comic book bad guy with Joaquin Phoenix, I'd be totally into. The problem is, I think the Joker portrayal, certainly the acting by Heath Ledger, obviously, was amazing. But the philosophical, nihilistic portrayal, in particular, of the Joker in The Dark Knight and how that reverberates in The Dark Knight Rises and so forth with the death of Rachel and Harvey and the Commissioner and Batman's being tormented and blah, 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 blah. I, I don't know. It's, this is like the Aladdin Lion King thing. Like, I don't need another Joker. It, but the bigger problem, I think, with this man is... This is already divided audience, you know, like The Last Jedi or whatever, or Han Solo. This is divided audiences already before even coming out. It's many weeks before coming out. And so even if it gets great ratings and even if a lot of fans like it, it's already a divisive thing to even make a Joker movie. And then it's going to be hyper violent. And, you know, and so people are going to blame it for guns, which is stupid because there's lots of other movies that are way less responsible that are doing worse things with guns. Rambo, <coughs> Sylvester Stallone. God, just go away, Sylvester Stallone. P- and please. I mean, just it's enough already. Um, but uh, sorry, I like you, Sly, but it, you're overexposed. Um, but the third problem is this, man. And I'll give you final thought on the Joker. And we'll wrap up. I mentioned this last time. Other than Zazie Beats. This is an entirely male, old guy dominated movie in terms of casting. And you know this, movies with women as leads or co-leads are the ones by far making the most money from a profit standpoint in the last three to five years. Now, what I didn't know about this movie is it has a budget of only $55 million, And so it's really not going to have a lot of guns and big action is going to be mostly a character study which is the right call and so i am going to give this a look not in terms of for sure seeing it but i'm going to give a little bit more of a look in terms of reading reviews and responses to it knowing that it's more of a low budget movie and it's going to be more of a character study but honestly man i know they seem like big names but joaquin phoenix robert de niro Mark Marin and some of these other guys are not nearly as big of a box office draw as people think. And we're going to see it with Scarlett Johansson in Black Widow. And we're going to see it with Gal Gadot in Wonder Woman 2. It's going to make way, 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 way more money and excite the culture and be more relevant and all the important things. Uh, I, I, you don't have to respond to any of that. You can. Your final thoughts about uh, the Joker as is being advertised, as people are talking about it, your expectations, whatever. And then we're going to wrap this long baby up. <clears throat> as I said last time, I really have no idea what this movie is going to be. But you know, as, as a as a Batman fan, I'm I'm going to see it because I'm just curious to see what this is. You know how they're what it's going to do, how it's, what they're doing with the Batman lore and stuff. And, you know, if, if there, if this is going to be, maybe they might try to tie it in or maybe not, who knows? Well, we'll see what happens, I guess, after it comes out. So, so just real quick, um, I really appreciate you staying on. So it has a 76% on a hundred reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, we know the fan part of Rotten Tomatoes is bullshit. 
review aggregator of reviewers, I guess, still has some merit. But more telling and more accurate is um, uh, IMDb. It looks like it has about a 7.5, which is decent for a movie. Um, you know, TV shows like Breaking Bad are like 9.9, but most movies are like 7.5 to 8.5 if they're good. Has a 70 out of 100 on Metacritic, which is actually good. It's in the green. Um, and apparently it received a standing ovation in at least one of its screenings. I think this is going to be received well and, and, uh, bring up important things in the culture. And Joaquin Phoenix, whether he's a total psycho like Gladiator or a sweet, bizarre weirdo like in Her with Scarlett Johansson, always puts in memorable performances. I don't think I'm going to see this for similar reasons. I didn't see Venom. I hate movies about bad guys. And as I've said, the Joker in the Dark Knight and what makes it so brilliant is that you're more scared of the Joker in the Dark Knight when he's not on the screen. Because when the Joker's on the screen, you at least know where he is. But as the movie goes along, right, it's like it's scarier and scarier. You're like, where's he going to show up? Oh, my God, that's actually Heath Ledger without the makeup. You know what I mean? Like, so a movie and on top of this, man, this will really be my final thought. I and I've said this on Brick Girl podcast constantly. I despise the killing joke. I don't like Alan Moore. I really, really, for many reasons, not just the almost killing of Babs and Woman in Refrigerator, which is unforgivable, just from an artistic standpoint, like such bullshit, but because the Joker's backstory I don't want makes him less interesting, and the joke at the end that's so famous isn't funny, and the ambiguousness of Batman killing him or not is both irrelevant and stupid, and I don't care about it. And so this just reminds me of the killing joke, even if it's unrelated. And so I am completely torn between loving the actor and somewhat fascinated just because it's part of the Batverse and it's Joaquin Phoenix and being way overexposed to villains like this. What are your final thoughts? Uh, uh, you know, you've been very objective this whole time and I appreciate this, but I would love if you end on a personal thought of, you know, if it came out today do you 10 out of 10 you see this 7 out of 10 is there anything that would prevent you from seeing it i'll i'll see it because you know cautiously i'll see it because i am you know i'm, I'm a batman fan and i want to be part of the discussion and stuff Look, and it has a 70 out of 100 on metacritic and you're a batman fan you have to see it i don't have to but you have to see it yeah i'm gonna see it and and maybe because there might be a podcast i can talk on it about so yeah i'll see it Mm-hmm. I will say um, one of the indie sources I do like is IndieWire and gave it a C plus uh, and said it was incendiary, confused, and potentially toxic. And that sounds a little uh, SJW to me, and I am an SJW, but that sounds a little SJW to me. But I actually, I've always been, um, I don't know if you've listened to any podcasts where I've talked about this, man. On a few podcasts, I've talked about how I've tried to model myself uh, as a reviewer, as a podcaster, but just as a movie watcher after Roger Ebert, who I really, I don't say worship, but really, really was influenced by as a film writer. Not only because I have, if I, when I go back historically, I agree with like 90% of Roger, e, Roger Ebert's reviews 
and he ends up loving movies that I love that other people don't, and so that endears him to me. But more so, Roger Ebert had this great way, rest in peace, of going in open-minded to every movie. And if he hated it, he'd rip it. But if it was decent, at least, he would try to find something good out of it. And they've done an excellent job at RogerEbert.com with some of his people of hiring great film reviewers. And they gave it a 2 out of 4 and thought it was very weak. Again, these are early reviews. They're very all over the place. But yeah, the, 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 the collective scores and your interest in Batman... I guess what I'm saying is, I'm going to use you, you see the movie, and then you come report back, and uh, and we'll see about the bizzle. (laughs) Yeah, I'm probably going to see it, and then I'll probably come on a future podcast and talk about it, and we'll see. We'll see if I, uh, if I got to plot the batarang and throw it at the movie, or... (laughs) Yeah, maybe we'll go play some art. or, Or if I don't have to pull it out at all. Yeah, yeah. Hey, yo. Um, so, awesome, man. Well, this was super long. I didn't think it would be this long, but I knew it would be long because we were covering all the movies of the next couple years, basically. And I'm glad we got the long Batman piece in that I'll, re- that I'll release separately, probably before. Um, so, I really appreciate you having on. I think part of the reason uh, doing a uh, comic book book club thing uh it would be great among other reasons is that you know it it gives us a very structured way to do the podcast is not necessarily go so long and we can come up with a you know a table of contents and a little bit more detailed and so forth but this went great um and I, i just love talking through these things you know nothing has been more day-to-day in terms of best thing ever and everything's going to shit than the DCEU in the last four to six years. I mean, right? I mean, it's... (laughs) I mean, even talking about the Joker, I changed my mind three times during that last five minutes. So, I don't know. Yeah. Okay, any final thoughts? I'll let you go. You don't say anything. Nothing really. I'm just, you know... I'm all. I'm interested to see what happens with this Batman movie. I'm hoping that we have some actual attainable casting announcements coming out soon, not just mm. rumors and speculations. But I am hearing some rumors in the pipeline that I'm going to keep to myself in case it's not true. So yeah, I'm the I same know, way with Marvel. I, I, yep, I know some things about certain characters that are being cast right now. Yep. So, yep, it's a burden. I know, I know, I have some sources at the Lucasfilm Story Group. So, I'm, I mean, let's put it this way everyone thought Ewan McGregor was a lock, and it kept being not a lock, but I knew like a month ago that it was pretty much a lock, uh, and was thrilled. But even even then, I didn't dare to believe because it had been fake so many times. So, who knows. So look, the future's bright. Even if Birds of Prey is a disaster, Wonder Woman, Batman, Suicide Squad, maybe Flash, and Aquaman, you got four out of six there. I mean, I think Batman's going to be a home run with Matt Reeves and the new casting. Suicide Squad with James Gunn and the expanded cast. Wonder Woman's awesome. Aquaman's killing it, right? So four out of six already is guaranteed goodness. And uh, as I've said, man, of the 25 to 30 MCU movies, there's only 10 to 12 at most that I really, really 
really like. The rest I could kind of take or leave, even though I like most of the characters. So if they're batting, um, what would their batting average be? Uh, Two thirds, six sixty six, and they bat six sixty six with these six movies. They're in great shape. They're in great shape, and I'm rooting for DC guys. I know you think I hate Zack Snyder in DC. Um, I don't love Zack Snyder's movies, but. I do root for DC. When DC's hitting, it's a great change of pace. And Margot Robbie, man, is exactly the person to usher it in. So I hope her first project with Birds of Prey isn't as just horribly over the top and unappealing as the trailer. I I hope it's a Deadpool situation. So thank you so much for being on. Um, I don't know. I mean, we'll continue to talk about Batman. Do we have any movies before early next year uh, that we're even interested in in this vein? Um, I, well, the only movie that I know of coming out next year is Birds of Prey and February. So, well, there's, there's, there's a little movie you might've heard of called Star Wars episode nine, the rise of Skywalker, which I will be covering extensively and you are most welcome to join on the Star Wars podcast. Yeah. I think, I think that's going to be a three hour movie. Oh, it has to be. I've said the same thing. Has to be. Look. If there's anything that Endgame proved, three hours, uh, $3 billion, Return of the King was almost three and a half hours in the theater, made $1.2 billion, which for a fantasy Lord of the Rings movie is unbelievable in 2003. People sat through that. $1.2 billion. People will sit through great long movies, and they, they've they teased so much great stuff with Ray, Kylo, Poe, and Finn and even Rose, but none of it has been even partially realized, in my opinion, other than some Kylo and Ray stuff. And so, for it to be satisfying, it needs to be long, right? Right, and you gotta wrap up nine movies. Yep. Okay, and speaking of wrapping up, I'm gonna let you go. You've stayed on way longer than you needed to. I really appreciate it. You're doing great work. You're welcome back anytime, Mr. Contributor. You'll be co-contributor next time. Um, hopefully with Batman book club, we'll talk offline about that. Um, you don't usually share social media. You don't have anything to drop, right? Not really. No. Okay. If you guys want to get to Jason, come to facebook.com slash Bizzlecast where he participates in a very smart and polite way. Thank you. Along with some other guys. Um, I, I, I should mention, by the way, dude, I'm sure you've noticed that with all my rabid feminist posts of all my favorite female characters, a lot of dudes are the ones liking and loving it. And that makes me really happy. I, you know, like, I, of course, women being empowered by all this is great. But seeing just dudes loving the Scarlet Witch and Wonder Woman and Batgirl and so forth, or even just like Haley Steinfeld, Haley Atwell posts makes me really happy. I know you're in that category. Uh, and so you guys out there, if you know Jose and the other guys, Dave Stevenson, thank you so much. You guys are great contributors uh, to the Bizzlecast. But Jason, these have been two great podcasts. Thank you so much for being on Mr. Jimbo Ritter. All right. Th- well, Thank you. I love I love being on the Bizzlecast. Uh, I mean, so. you, you it's only been two, but as I said to Britt, Matt, Alistair, Jedi Geek Girl, and Simi, you're welcome anytime. So you tell me, tell me the time, the topic, boom, we'll make it happen. Should I read uh, The Long Halloween? Should that be the first thing I read? D- definitely. Okay. So Long Halloween, um, Young Justice, 
Titans, Doom Patrol. That's my homework. Yeah, that's your homework for next podcast. And if any of our listeners want to follow us, that's their homework too. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I- I'm going to announce it along with this podcast. And then, you know, I'll announce it a few days and then the day before the actual podcast. So people can catch up. Because let's be honest, I want to support the DC Universe service. $7.99 a month for comics and TV shows is a great deal. Yes, it is. It's, it is a really good deal. So. DC Comics, make it happen, Warner Brothers. Get your shit together and, and pull all of the bullshit and just throw it away and follow Wonder Woman and all the successes you've had and just make it happen because I don't want just Marvel. I want the DC vision. So let's make it happen, DC. Thank you, Jason Renner. Thank you, BizzleCast listeners. I've been the Bizzle. May the force be with you. But for now, the BizzleCast is out.